0: Hi, and welcome to Things of Interest. I'm Sophia Fritz.
1: And I'm Serena Chen.
0: And this week, uh, we're going to be revisiting one of our old topics, in fact, our very first topic. And we're going to be talking about AI. Essentially, AI has the potential to be really helpful and to take a lot of boring, menial tasks out of the hands of people who just don't want to do them. And that's fine. Like, if you're using your data scientist to actually do science to data rather than data entry, that's awesome. But the problem arises when we don't become aware of what computers learn. I think one of the really good examples of this is an example where a machine learning algorithm was used to try and classify um, whether moles looked like they could be melanomas or not. And because the people training the data wanted to make sure the machine knew how big cancerous melanomas were, they photographed them next to a ruler. And the algorithm determined that if moles were photographed next to a ruler they were more likely to be cancerous
1: which which is fair
0: yeah like legit (laughs) outcome really um but that is also really bad in some ways so for example i was talking to a colleague yesterday about how human bias sneaks into our data i I say sneaks it's very obvious to every discriminated against minority but for white people, we can see snakes. <laughs> um, like, for example, if you fed in the last 60 years of crime stats to a machine learning algorithm and said, who is most likely to cause crime? The machine learning algorithm will quite rightly come back and go, well, brown people are. Because that's who we've been arresting for the last 60 years because we're racist. Um but, yeah, I wanted to have a big chat about this. I went to a talk fairly recently about AI and healthcare, and I feel like it didn't really dig down into these deep social issues that surround mm. the use of technology in these ways, particularly looking at AI. And, I mean, like, my specialty is in healthcare, so I'll probably talk about that a lot. Um, but, yeah, I'm sure you have thoughts on this as well, Serena. Um, what's a What's a good example you've seen of AI doing exactly what it's meant to do, but nothing that any human anticipated?
1: A lot of racist shit mostly comes to mind, um, first and foremost. Uh, I'm sure, like, we've talked about this on the podcast before, but, like, Google had a bit of a scandal a couple of years ago when uh, their machine learning algorithm um, labeled black people as gorillas, and that was just, like, a yikes moment for everyone, um... I don't know, it's… it's… and again, like, I'm, I'm sure we've talked about this before, but we have to realise that when it comes to machine learning algorithms, um, it's not like there's a, there's a programmer behind it that, that um, says, hey machine, this is the things that I'm going to teach you, and you know, there's not like the program behind it that understands how the machine is learning the only thing that we feed it is some kind of fitness function, some kind of uh, metric that says, hey, you're doing a good job of, I don't know, classifying cats and dogs, or hey, you're not doing a good job of classifying cats and dogs. And we don't really, we don't really specify the nuances um, of the cat and dog world. And we don't understand how these machines get there to the classification of cats and dogs. For example, and I think that's something that the general public really um uh doesn't quite get yet is the fact that like no one understands what these algorithms are doing, and when we don't fundamentally can't understand what these algorithms are doing, there's not a really good way to um to police it and to regulate it. And so we have to be extremely, even more careful of uh, the things that we do control, like the fitness functions and the training data that we feed these algorithms. Because if we're not, then it's, you know, we have no idea what it's going to do. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I think, I think something's becoming increasingly obvious to me is that when computer scientists go into and computer programmers go into a field that they're not familiar with, They're not aware of the things they have to, like, put into their fitness function. So, like, healthcare is a really good example in that you get computer programmers who come into healthcare and they're like, yep, easy as, like, we'll put in the clinician notes, we'll put in the test results, we'll put in, like, the pain scale data, and it'll spit out, like, you know, what it's likely to be. Good to go. But when you're familiar with the field, you're like, well, we know that, like, clinician notes vary wildly from person to person and are, like, quite a clear indicator of unconscious bias so like even the difference between like patient claims and patient has so like patient claims to have pain in their back as opposed to patient has back pain is like a huge difference and that's often really gendered that's often like racially different like um i know there's been a bunch of studies in the u.s that show that doctors just assume that black people like have a higher pain tolerance and are lying when they say that they have pain Um, there's been some really good pieces written by often like um, nurses and doctors who are black, but also by other people of color and uh, white people as well. They write good stuff sometimes Um, (laughs) where they talk about just like seeing how differently registrars treat, you know, like self-indicated pain. Um, And I had a really good conversation with a colleague who's a registered nurse yesterday where he was saying like, often you'll also see, that people will assume that they should be in pain at particular stages of treatment. So when people come out of surgery, even if they're not, like, actually experiencing pain, if someone asks them, are you in pain? And, you know, they've come out of surgery, they're coming off, like, anesthesia. So, like, the sort of, like, logic circuits are a little bit fried at this point. But they will often say that they're in pain, even when they're not, like, brain chemistry-wise. Because they are aware that they should be in pain because they just had surgery, if that makes sense. Okay. And, like, so I had um, surgery where I had to go under general anesthesia uh, a while ago now. Um, but it's absolutely when you come out of it, like, you can no longer mm-hmm. make logical calls. You're just, like, goodness, one plus one, five? I'm unclear. <laughs> um, and so, like, talking to this guy who's a nurse, like, absolutely I was like yep that sounds very real from my experience with anesthesia and coming off it like (laughs) it was just it was wild I was like I could make no sense of anything um Mm. but because there's all this bias that exists in clinician notes that exists like not in test results because often those uh, we can get into like um reference ranges in a little bit if you want (laughs) test results are normally a bit better. But even, like, pain scales, right? Like, I've had instances where I've had yeah. to self-report my pain and the attending has written down a different number to what I've said.
1: Right. Because
0: they don't think I'm correctly self-describing my pain. I'll say eight and they'll write down six. And it's, like, incorrect. Also, pain right. pain scales are broken, but also incorrect.
1: <laughs> that must be really frustrating.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. Um, yeah. One of the big things is, so there's a lot of discussion in Australia right now as people move across to electronic medical records, which Mm. every, I feel like everything we mentioned in this episode could be a whole other episode by itself. I just want to (laughs) put that caveat out there now. So just like, whenever I make that little sound, like that's a, this could be a separate episode. (laughs) Um, But yeah, looking at electronic medical records, we have all this data on a patient's history, and yeah, you could create algorithms where you feed in all of that data and you get out a likely diagnosis. The problem being that things like Ehlers-Danlos syndrome are typically misdiagnosed as hypochondriacs early in their like clinical odyssey, right? Because it takes something like 15 years to get diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome because people are what so- What is it? Um, it's a connective tissue disorder. Um, and it can present in a number of different ways. So, like, vascular ones are really bad because your heart can explode. Um, oh Often, like, you're, you'll get dislocations really easily. Um, okay. But because people have this throughout their lives, like, they're not – a lot of the time they don't, like, know – they have much higher pain tolerances. And so they'll be like, oh, my finger's dislocated. And the attending will be like, whatever. Like, you're not in pain. Like, get out. You're clearly, mm-hmm. like, being a hypochondriac about this um asha wolf is a investigative journalist and twitter personality um Mm -hmm. and she's written a lot about her clinical odyssey she has ehlers-danlos syndrome um and it's been it's been awful like having like she is presented to emergency rooms in excruciating pain and had doctors be like so we're gonna send you to the psych
1: ward and That's my nightmare. Yeah, and <laughs>
0: passing that over to a machine that everyone trusts. And, I mean, like, look, I've also been watching the most recent Star Trek where this is, like, a huge um, story arc where it's, like, machine that everyone trusts goes bad. It's mm-hmm. very Black Mirror, the latest season. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, handing all this over and saying, like, well, you know, we put in your patient history and the machine says it sounds like you're a hypochondriac, like, we see computers as, like, these unquestioning entities where, like, yeah. they just use logic and are therefore, like, at a higher level than, like, how we humans with our emotions and our gut feelings and our illogical natures are. Like, that's mm. hugely dangerous. Like, when you think about, like, people with endometriosis who get misdiagnosed, like, often a number of times before they're finally diagnosed with endo. And that's a condition that affects, like, one in ten people with uteruses, right? Like, that's mm. that's a big problem, <laughs> um and so it's not even like i wouldn't necessarily say like there's an underlying problem with how we perform diagnoses in healthcare generally i would say like there's a huge cultural problem where like it's not even like we don't treat the illness we treat the patient we treat who we perceive the patient to be Mm -hmm. right it's like um when i when i go into my doctor's surgery and i'm having to use my walking stick she will actively ask me about my pain. Whereas when I don't, mm-hmm. she won't. And it's like, yeah, okay, fine. Like, I have this, like, indicator that I'm in more pain. But it's also, like, if you don't see that, it's like you forget that I just have, like, ongoing chronic pain. <laughs> Even mm-hmm. though, like, it's in those notes right in front of you. Like, okay, mm-hmm. sure. Like, I can see your screen too. I know it's there. Um, And that that's an issue as well. Like, we... We're all human, right? And like, I will, I will extend that to doctors as well. <laughs> I'll let them be human. And so it's understandable that they have this bias. It's understandable that they go into clinical treatments and they're like, well, I've seen all these patients before like this, therefore you're probably like them. But it's not right. And the danger enters when we like essentially elevate the opinions of doctors right like by feeding them into machine learning algorithms we're saying the opinions of doctors are immutable and i think that's a huge issue
1: yeah and in general like i think the big issue is that we're elevating uh not necessarily just the opinions of experts but the opinion the past opinions of past experts to be immutable and i think that's where we where we run across a whole bunch of problems here. Like, expert opinion is important, and I think at any given time, you know, there's going to be shortcomings and there's going to be uh, inadequacies, but also at any given time, like, we rely on the opinions of experts, and, and that's good, that's Fine, that's like you know how a lot of specialized fields work. Uh, the problem when you mix like machine learning algorithms into all of this to automate some of those opinions is that in the real world, <laughs> in the in meat space, um, we learn uh, much like machines do, but we we learn uh, and we have. We have a thing called recency bias, which is both good and bad. It's bad in a lot of ways in that, like, we, you know, the things that we think, the thing, our opinions and the information that we have, uh, that are closer to us temporally, um, more recent in in time, um, matters more. And sometimes that can trip us up, but at the same time, that's how we as a society progress. It's how we learn new things. Um, it's how we go from thinking problematic things, not problematic, and then unlearning certain things and realizing that we were wrong in the past. And this is the way we should be moving forwards in the future. And the problem with machine learning, even though it is, it's really cool, is that for it to work, we have to throw in a lot of data, a lot of data huge massive data sets for it to be um effective in making predictions and this data because of i don't know the error of time entropy like <laughs> how our universe works we can only access past data we can't access future data that sounds so silly but no i appreciate the point it is, time thank travel you. <laughs> not yet possible continue time travel n- not a thing so we can only feed in large swaths of past data to these these algorithms and in some ways it it shackles us to the past it connects us to the past in a way that it becomes very difficult to move forward gosh i remember being a young child and thinking i can't wait until racism is over and like we can all just like get over this blip in history and move on with our lives But that's, like, we're being pulled back into the past time and time again because of, because of our reliance on, on these new technologies. And because these new technologies, uh, rely on past calls, bad texts, bad calls. (laughs) And yeah, it's, and it's why for those of us who are making, um, these algorithms, and especially for those of us, you know, in companies with the money who are buying the use of these algorithms and buying these services, it's up to us to really make it of the utmost importance that we are aware of these um, of these past biases, and we are actively working to to eliminate uh, the. The effects of these past biases. Like, I do think machine learning is a really cool technique to solve certain repeatable problems. Uh, I guess, like, it it starts going bad when it becomes overhyped and it becomes, like, the band-aid you apply on everything. It becomes, like, the snake oil that, you know, solves every single problem. And it really isn't. So, I mean, I guess it's just the general comment for for technology, you know, in general, it's just to be a bit more careful and considered.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are always like additional checks and balances you can kind of like feed into anything like that. But I think there are elements of, you know, AI techniques that could be really, really useful for healthcare and things Mm -hmm. like flagging when someone, you know, like if you streamline triage. By getting people to self-report some of their symptoms or whatever or if they're like a known patient to the hospital um like that would be really helpful there's stuff like when i've had to go to the hospital with like mental health crises if i go there by myself like under my own steam they don't take me mm-hmm. seriously and the comment made was like well if you want to be taken seriously you call a mental health hotline and they will flag you as being someone that needs to be taken seriously and it's like well this seems cooked, but like <laughs> great. Yeah, so glad that my history of like depression and suicide attempts wasn't sufficient to take me seriously. Cool life, Australia. Um, it's
1: kind of wild because it's like you're doing the right thing by saying, "Hey, I'm gonna go and like take myself to a hospital and get some help." Yeah, like and. Why are you being punished for doing the right thing?
0: question mark? And it's like, well, I know myself well enough to know that like calling a mental health hotline is just they're gonna be like, Oh, you seem unwell, like go to the hospital. Okay, cool. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I was gonna do anyway, good life. But yeah, even something that could just like add flags to people's files, where it's like, oh remember to check this, remember to do that. And I think a lot of the um clinician software that's used does that anyway. So, like, I know when my doctor opens stuff up, she has, like, notes about my history with, like, some red flags next to bad things. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just, like, adding that extra layer where it's, like, oh, if this person presents to emergency, it's probably because of this thing. Or, hey, this person is, like, a cis woman at the age where cis women tend to get heart attacks. She's presenting with, like, back pain and, like, cold sweats. Seems like a heart attack. Um, And... I think those can be really really useful in a rushed and hectic emergency department i think they could be Mm. incredibly valuable in circumstances where people so easily fall between the cracks to just kind of flag people and be like oh hey this is a thing but Mm. i think if you go into those environments without the context of the history of like the discrimination and bias that exists within those environments and like how to alleviate that. Like essentially what you need is like a sociologist to go with you whenever you write computer programs or machine learning or any kind of training and test data set, right? Like you're a sociologist yes. there to be like, okay, so this is what we're doing.
1: <laughs> yes. Include experts from other fields, computer scientists. Yeah. Like, Programmers, you're not like smart in every single field ever. You're smart in programming. <laughs> like, Please include some other people. Well,
0: it's things like I think there are particular groups in society who don't really trust doctors, and I think that's fair. Like, when Mm -hmm. you look at the history of how medical professionals have treated people, like, legit not to trust doctors, really. Um, Mm. Please get vaccinated. That's the only thing I'll say on that. (laughs) But when you're creating systems that further allow that to kind of filter through right like that's that's an issue when someone gets labeled as uncooperative because they don't trust doctors and that becomes like a permanent note on their file like that then gets fed into a machine learning algorithm it's like oh watch out this person might be aggressive that's like emphasizing and compounding that discrimination and if we're not conscious Mm -hmm. of that and if we don't like start to take like make allowances for like shitty racist sexist history then we're just going to like essentially regress as a society if we let algorithms like continue to like put that through hmm
1: yeah I feel like we're already starting to well no that's not true I feel like some parts of our society are regressing while other parts are I don't know I don't know anymore like I think I've been totally bamboozled by information overload and I just don't know anymore.
0: Yeah I mean my whole vibe right now is like very full of Rome is what I'm getting from society and it's like oh okay we'll see how it goes.
1: I mean I guess it's cool that we're alive at a point in history where like things are happening but I'd really much rather things don't happen. (laughs) That's
0: fair. I mean although if you consider like the Nineteen hundreds, things were pretty much always happening, so this yeah. isn't that weird in the context of all of that, right? Like, our I just want things like to happen less. <laughs> I would, I would also love things to happen less. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> um, God, I was thinking about because because I interact with high school students and younger university students on a fairly regular basis, I've caused to regularly and often think about 9-11 nine eleven and how these mm. people were not born when it happened. And mm-hmm. that is just wild to me, because it was such a huge paradigm shift in international relations. But also, mm. I think we, po- we, like, we talk about 9-11 a lot. <laughs> so mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to get too deep into that, but I think about it all the time.
1: <laughs> yeah. How have you been lately? I've been
0: good. It's been warm again.
1: That's good. Global warming, mm. you know? Yeah, it's been like, weirdly good weather in wellington lately usually by this time of year it's like
0: back in shitsville
1: yeah just like pouring down with the rain when it's freezing but no it's like a light breeze um it's a bit nippy because it's april yeah how's all your design stuff been going um slowly i feel so silly doing life things like thinking about a job and a career and, you know, where to live and stuff like that, when the world seems to be burning around me. Do you feel the same? I mean, like, a
0: bit, but, like, what else can we do? I mean, it helps that, like, I have, you know, <laughs> so much mental illness. Um, I've been having a bit of a depression time lately, but I'm coming out mm. of it, I think. I rediscovered mm. my anger, um, and that always helps. Um, So, yeah, like being ill all the time really helps um, like sometimes I feel a bit guilty that I can't do things uh, so there's a group in Australia called Democracy in Colour and it's mm-hmm. goal is to get like greater racial diversity into parliaments in Australia and they do great stuff they were doing like door knocking the other weekend and I got a call and they were like hey like, we know that you get our newsletter would you be able to come door knocking I'm like oh, I, have, I have a movement disability like it'd suck basically. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Mm. And they were super understanding about it. Um, But I still was just like, man, I I would love to do more things like that. I would love to do more things that help make the world a better place. Like, Mm. I mean, I work for a major consulting firm and we do some really good stuff, but broadly, like I'm in corporate Australia. Like that's not, I'm not working for a charity Mm. (laughs) and I would love to, like, I just, don't um because I'm I'm conscious of everything else in my life and I think like the way we start to look after society is to look after each other and that's not necessarily like drawing back to our social ties but there are things like um I have wonderful neighbors one of whom also has PTSD and we support each other and sometimes she'll like make me dinner and that's really cute and awesome and like there's Mm -hmm. like there's like three apartments really close to each other and we all like give each other gifts all the time it's extremely adorable (laughs) Um, so cute and that's that's building community it's stuff like um you know I have a corporate job where I'm trying to get promoted and make money because I'm aware that like my brother wants to do cool things with his life like be a librarian Mm -hmm. um and that's like that's socially extremely valuable career path and I think he'll really love it and I think it'll fit him really well Mm. um but I'm also aware that like my parents are over 60 and they've been pretty sensible with their money but I do want to be in a position to be able to financially support them if I need to Mm. Um, and so because my brother is doing this socially valuable thing that doesn't make money I know that I need to do something that makes money. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of like that's being aware of how we fit into our networks. And I think it's also like maintaining networks of people different to you. Yeah. And it's very easy once you go into – full-time work to shift to having a lot of your friends being work friends. And often they're people who are similar to you in a lot of workplaces. I feel very blessed that um, our workplace tries very hard to get uh diversity of thought happening, which is often a very bullshit term.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was about to say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. No, um, it's, that's basically shorthand for saying like, there is no one there who is fr- like, I mean, Lauren, obviously. Um, But aside from that, there's, like, no one there who comes from a similar background to me, who has had similar experiences to me, who, like, sees the world the way that I do. And similarly, like, we're all quite different to each other. And that's nice because I often felt during my PhD, particularly, like, um, when we went to, like, students' camps, I would feel so different to everyone around me And I would feel like Mm. they were all the same. Mm -hmm. And that's – I'm going to (laughs) cry. That's heartbreaking. Like, that was so tough, the last student's retreat that I went to, where I was like, I feel like you're all speaking a language or have some kind of code that I cannot understand.
1: Mm. Because
0: I, like – and, like, broadly during my PhD, it was because I had interest beyond science, which is, Mm -hmm. like – I, I cared about the world beyond like the scientific research world. And I think there's huge importance to people who only care about scientific research world because they do things like invent the next Panadol and mm. like the polio vaccine and everything like that. Those are the people who get us like medical breakthroughs because they are so focused on their thing. But I just mm. I wasn't. And there was no one else like me at those camps where we're like out in a scout camp for two days and that's so isolating. And now at work, I actually, I'm different to people, but because everyone's different to each other, I feel like I'm part of a bigger thing, but Mm. I've also taken a conscious effort to be friends with people who aren't in full-time work, who aren't like in corporate Australia, who do work at charities. Like I, I've, um, Deloitte does like this annual thing called impact day where we go mm-hmm. out and we do volunteer work. And the last charity that I went and did volunteer work for was while I was having a pain flare. And they were like, well, we have all these Excel spreadsheets that need to all be the same Excel spreadsheet. Can you can you do that? And I'm just like, I am the best at this. Give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> I love spreadsheets. <laughs> um, and I think, like, that's that's the other half of it, right? Like, yeah, I feel – I can feel really guilty about, like, the fact that I'm not doing a socially better job or that I'm not paying more attention to the fact that, you know, white supremacism is just out of control everywhere. But yeah. the best thing we can do is to look after the people in our communities. Like I, um, I reached out to a friend recently who has chronic fatigue and because so... Because we're both chronically ill, we never see each other, basically. But we're really good friends. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and a while ago, I was like, oh, like, I might look for a housemate. If I was, like, would you be interested? And she was mm-hmm. like, man, I really love living by myself. And now I also love living by myself. <laughs> um, and so I, I just pinged her again. I'm like, hey, like, I know I reached out to you a while ago, just letting you know I adore living by myself. But if you ever need housing... Like, you can absolutely Mm. come stay with me. Like, this is an offer that does not expire. I know how difficult it is to be, like, disabled. And um, she has some mobility requirements, which my building thankfully meets. And it's just kind of like, Mm -hmm. yeah, just so you know, this meets all your mobility requirements. You ever need to stay with me, you can. And, Mm. like, that's that's making the world a better place, right? Like, going to the farmer's market is making the world a better place. Like building your community out of people who are like you and people who are unlike you and, like, sharing the love, like, for want of a better term, mm-hmm. that's what we can do. We don't have to do anything big. We don't have to, like, be on TV banging our fists on podiums. What we do is we look after each other and we care for each other and we're, we make sure people in our communities are protected without, like, creating a huge wall between people who are within the group and people who are out.
1: yeah. You that makes that sound so simple. <laughs> that, that was like that was like a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is. You just get into the habit, right? Like, yeah. I don't know. I just, and I don't know if it's because I'm spending like I've been cutting down my time on social media a lot, but still, like I I'm still on it every other day, and I don't know if it's because I, I'm just like seeing so much happen all at once but it I can't help but to feel like it's not enough and maybe that's just something that I have to like deal with because I guess my question yeah,
0: then is what would be
1: enough I don't know I really don't know and maybe that's what's causing a lot of distress is that like I don't know what would be effective enough yeah. to like make significant and lasting positive change I just don't know yeah like I don't know like who are the specific people that I should be supporting who out there is um doing this kind of work but with you know more um more experience and um and with you know this is their field of expertise or like I just I just don't know and so I'm feel and I don't know like a big part of me just really wants to be like can I just shut down the internet for like a week (laughs) and then we can all get our bearings you know connect closer to our local communities because even though like I feel connected to my local community I don't feel like I'm doing that in an effective way and I and I don't think it's having like enough of a, hmm, I don't know.
0: Would you Would you want to do something like volunteering?
1: Yeah, so I already do some volunteering, but it just it it never feels enough. Yeah, um, yeah, and I don't know. I think this is probably just something that I need to like mentally work through. Well,
0: I was thinking so something I've heard a lot, um, and particularly like when I was doing Impact Day last year. I actually I need to reach out to them because I have time again. Um, <laughs> is basically every charity needs someone who understands computers and they usually don't have them. Mm. So like I've talked to um, queer charities in Australia who were looking for someone who could like set up donation databases or like even just like set up their website, right. To make it look good. And often that's like, that's like a couple of hours of work for us. Like when the charity we were working with was like, please put these spreadsheets together into one big spreadsheet and make sure they aren't duplicates. I was like, hell yes, love it. Cool, mm-hmm. gonna put on a podcast, gonna knock this out. This is, I'm in my zone. I had such a good time. Yeah. Like, I mean, I did it for free. Like work pays us for the day that we go out and do charity. Like I would gladly mm. do that in my off hours. Like it's mm. my shit. Um, and if there's something yeah. like that, like computery that you really, really love doing, there will be a charity, a non profit, that needs you to do that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm already kind
0: of yeah, well, doing that. It's just that's more like um, that was something I was totally unaware of before that yeah, charity yeah, told yeah. me it. Which is why I'm like, mm-hmm. how's this information, Serena?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's it's really great. Like what um charities will have a wide range of needs and like whatever your niche expertise is, you could probably help them out yeah i don't know I, I think my kind of anxieties and uh just emotions around these things in general is it might be stemming from like the fact that i live in an information overload kind of environment yeah um
0: have you have you tried doing like some mindfulness techniques so stuff like when you have a thought or a feeling about something, just going,
1: mm.
0: I noticed that it's okay. Mm-hmm. Don't need to focus mm. on it right now.
1: And but then I feel bad for ignoring it. <laughs> well, like,
0: then you should also notice that feeling, right? Um, right, right, okay. Because like mm. a lot of a lot of mindfulness and a lot of stuff that like will come up when you go to therapy. I think like you don't need to get stuck in your feelings. You can mm-hmm. just notice them, and it's mm-hmm. okay if you keep feeling bad after that. But you don't have to keep feeling bad. And that's kind right. of the thing. It's like um, with Not Dame Dumb recently, I was like, okay, that's a bad thing. Yeah. It's a thing that, like, I cannot do anything about now. Yeah. I will move
1: on. Yeah, just compartmentalizing that emotion. But, but not
0: even, like, pushing it down and being like, I don't want to feel this right now. Just being like, mm. okay, yeah, I feel bad about that all right. Mm. And just like pushing, putting it to one side and being like, I'm done with that feeling now. Like I've, I've seen it, I've recognized it. I've like, and essentially like a lot of it is about acknowledging your feelings and just going like, I feel this way and it's okay to feel this way, but it's also okay when I move on.
1: Right. That reminds me a lot of, um, one of my friends was, uh, talking about how uh, this thing that her outward bound instructor told her and that, you know, when you're, tramping through the forest and it's raining you can either be cold wet and miserable or you could just be cold and wet and it was acknowledging the realities of the situation and moving through and continuing on anyway yeah and like some feelings can't
0: be acknowledged and put aside and that's mm. that's totally understandable whether that's because like there's just so much emotion that you're having right then or because mm. the emotion is tied to mental illness for example like that's fine but like the big technique is just acknowledging mm. your feelings and putting names to them and then going it's okay that i feel this way
1: mm. this has been a great therapy session thank you <laughs> yeah, anytime
0: <laughs> but yeah like that's because i i'm very online like it's part of my job a lot of the time. Um, but I never really feel overwhelmed by everything that's going on in the world. And I think it's just because I've got really into the habit of doing that, particularly like with mm-hmm. things that don't directly affect me where it's like, okay, this is bad. This is sad. Mm. This is whatever it is. And I feel this way about it, but I don't mm. need to keep feeling this way about it. And if I need to process it, I can do that later and mm-hmm. that'd be okay too. And then just moving on. Mm. I think um, the other thing as well is like, we often try to focus a lot on feeling Happy, and placing that Mm -hmm. in a dichotomy with every other emotion, with like you're either happy or you're sad, you're happy or you're angry, you're happy or you're miserable, you're happy or you're this, and actually we want to aim for like a really neutral feeling state. Mm. So you don't want to be happy; you just want to be chill. You want to be peaceful. You want to be content. Um, and that's something else that like I think. I think probably really helps with like how I feel about the world. Is like I don't feel happy about the world. Like there are many ways in which our world is fucked. It was 30 degrees the other day. It's April. Global warming's going to kill us all. Oh but, god. Sorry.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but like in my day-to-day life, I'm peaceful. Yeah. I'm content. I'm like, yeah, global warming is really bad and I feel anxious about what is going to happen to the world with global warming. I take the actions I can about that and I acknowledge that feeling and I move
1: on. Sometimes I feel like we're all just on a big conveyor belt to tragedy <laughs> and we're all just squabbling with each other about...
0: Yeah, well, I mean, life is a big conveyor belt to death if you want to talk about it that way, right? Like.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs>
0: like, ultimately, we all die. But that doesn't but, mean
1: that's okay. Yeah, like,
0: and that doesn't mean we can't try and make the people around us happier or more content in their lives while we're here. And like, that's that's again why like I come back and I focus on community. And yeah,
1: um, I think that's really important. Yeah, and
0: I mean, like, I've I've really followed your lead on like taking a lot of my interactions with people offline, and like, I don't have. Mm either of my sets of neighbors on Facebook, but we see each other Mm. like once a week and we have really fulfilling conversations.
1: Yeah. Um, Heck yeah.
0: (laughs) And it's, it's nice. Like this is, I don't, you know, I don't follow the Coburg farmers market on Facebook, but I go there like once a fortnight. Mm. Um, Yeah.
1: Frisbee, your phone out the window. (laughs) Yes.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And so it's like, Yeah, bad things are going to happen. They were going to happen regardless of whether our world was a slowly heating marble in space or not. Mm. And all we have to do is figure out how to make them better for us and for people around us.
1: Oh, that was lovely and inspirational.
0: Yeah, this is a really positive episode. Um, I really um, love that. It's going to be a good juxtaposition to our last couple.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yay!
0: Um... But yeah, like, I think it's easy to be, like, depressed about the world. Mm. But it's also easy to, for that to turn into a feeling like you can't do anything. And as a result, inaction.
1: Mm. When, like,
0: really, like, the actions you should be taking affect, like, people directly affected by you. Like, you can make the world a better place as an individual. And also, like, there are things, like, with global warming, right? Like, I make sure all my power comes from sustainable sources, but I'm also conscious of the fact that, like, there was a meme going around on Facebook the other day that said, eating one Fortune 500 CEO will do better, will do more for climate change than being vegan ever would. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, like, you know, I can make my choices. I can sort of vote with my wallets in consumers. And, like, I I can do everything I can, but ultimately, like, the most that I can do is to impact the people around me positively. Right. Like, and I mean, I think it's something I particularly feel being like being non-binary, being queer, like we've got a wildly high rate of suicide in our community. So mm. for me, like I'm very aware that the impact of making someone's day a bit better, like could be literally life-changing. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something we often forget, particularly when we have information overload about things going on in the US, about Brexit, about Trump, about people, the Nazis. Well, just like people in Europe being shitty to refugees. Good to know, like,
1: yeah. <laughs> or even just like here in New Zealand, um, just the the kind of inaction and the blaseness that we're approaching white supremacy with God. the kind of she'll be right attitude. I yeah we do what we can yeah
0: yeah because like all you can control are your own actions Mm. and just coming back to that i find it's been really helpful whenever i'm like fuck me trump got elected it's like well i can't vote in the u.s elections what i can do is support my friends who are impacted by that is talk to like my trans and non-binary friends in the U.S. is to touch base with them and make sure they're doing okay. And, mm. like, whenever they're worried about potential legal changes, like, hear them out and say, hey, like, is there anything I can do? How can I support you? Mm. Um, Because that's that's the only impact I can have. Like, I can't depose him, you know? Mm. And I think feeling like you should is a way down a path to really bad mental health, you know?
1: Yeah. Thank you for your inspiring and (laughs) encouraging words. That was absolutely lovely.
0: (laughs) How are you feeling now?
1: I mean, still terrified, but, you know, feeling like I can take another step forward. Yeah. Yeah, rather than, you know, because what does end up happening, like, when you kind of get, when you fall down into this, like, spiral of hopelessness is inaction and inaction just makes me feel even worse inaction just makes me feel like even less of a contributor so yeah small steps baby steps
0: and like and understanding what matters Mm -hmm. like reading terrifying news on twitter and facebook doesn't matter if you didn't read the news like it literally wouldn't make any difference right um yeah yeah, I I get like newsletters delivered to my work and my personal inboxes that just give me a brief on what's happening in the world, and I often don't feel the need to then go and see like you know what's trending on Twitter is like the horrible thing that we've been revealed today, <laughs> and sometimes I feel that that doesn't necessarily mean like I never feel like that makes me a bad person. Sometimes mm-hmm. I feel a bit bad about not engaging with the news as actively as i used to but it's healthier Mm. you know
1: and like it's way healthier absolutely
0: yeah like for me and again like i think this is um because my comparator because like the ultimate extension of me feeling bad is me dying right (laughs) like Mm. i am fine with taking steps to not feel bad because i just Mm. i have to be because the alternative is like if i got so depressed that i died like that would not make the world a better place that would in fact make the world a worse place mm. and so if i have to take a step back from whatever's going on in news in the world even even stuff that's happening in australia or melbourne is things like i am really bad in crowds and they make me really upset so i don't go to rallies but i encourage all my friends to and that's kind of the balance that i'm that i've accepted for my life mm. um and so it's like well essentially the choices i make when i step back are extending my lifespan on this earth and so ultimately doing good in that way and i think you just need to see like your own happiness contentness peacefulness as being a good impact in the world because i think it's very easy for us not to care about ourselves when there are so many other things in the world to care about
1: yeah but ultimately
0: Mm -hmm. if you're too sad to do anything like it's not doing any fucking good is it
1: (laughs) no (laughs) i think that's a great note to end on
0: (laughs) welcome to things
1: of interest it's been a half hour pet talk (laughs) heck yeah yeah (laughs) but i think i think a lot of people are in a place where we all need that right now that's fair yeah And I think a lot of us have been in that place where we need that for, like, the past few years, let's be honest. Yeah. Mm. It's definitely, it's been
0: a process for me, right? And it'll be a process for everyone to get into the habit of being kind to themselves. So, like, the Mm. important thing as well is to be kind to yourself if you're bad at being kind to yourself. Okay. Um, the, The flip side of that is don't feel bad for feeling bad Mm -hmm. Um, because that's just that's how you spiral mate (laughs) (laughs) yeah anyway this has been things of interest this episode we talked about machine learning algorithms we talked about AI we talked about healthcare and then we talked about you and how you feel I would like to clarify that I am in no way a mental health specialist I have just been to a lot of therapy (laughs) and so have learned some very useful things from therapy Mm. um hopefully some of these will help you but if they don't that's okay too Um, we're all just out here trying to live our best lives and the most important thing we can do is be kind to ourselves and the people around us and every so often going to rallies and giving money to important charities like Wellington Rape Crisis yes you can find us online we're on Facebook as Things of Interest we're on Twitter at Casting Interest and you can email us at thingsofinterest at gmail.com we haven't really Casting interest. Oh, thank you. Sorry. <laughs> um, we haven't really been keeping up our social media lately because social media is the devil. Um, it is. But we might in the future. Who knows? <laughs> Anything is possible. <laughs> except the reversal of global warming. Um, in the near future, anyway.
1: Uh, who, who, who knows? <laughs> maybe Maybe we'll we'll cause a nuclear uh, winter. I wasn't going to say that! <laughs> I was going to say, you know, maybe maybe we'll create a huge swell of grassroots movements and we will stop polluting and we will keep global warming to, what was it, 1.5 degrees, yeah. and maybe, maybe social media will be nice and full of your friends. Who knows? Who knows what the future could hold? We could have it! <laughs> this feels like the end of the Lorax. <laughs> you know it's like
0: unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot it's just not going to get better it's not Yeah. if you enjoyed this episode please leave us a review on iTunes if you want to cl- quote the Lorax while leaving that review that's fine as well Um, <laughs> leave us some stars <laughs> on any of your podcast listening devices so chill with that
1: we uh, are on a bunch of podcast um, things now so we're on we're on the Spotify, we're on yes. Stitcher, um, we're on uh, a bunch of other stuff. I'm very that impressed I can't we remember made it onto right Spotify.
0: Spotify, don't we have to be like kind of a big deal to do that?
1: I'm or is it just not annoying? sure. They upgraded all of their like podcasting stuff. Oh, so, so maybe in that upgrade um, we got through. I'm not sure how it happened. But hey, we're on Spotify. So if you want to, you know, leave us some stuff there. Leave us stars anywhere, and we'd love to hear from you, just in general. Yeah. You're well, lovely people.
0: Even if That's you great. email us with like the picture of the black hole attached, that would be accepted.
1: Yes, black hole memes. Yeah. We welcome the, the black hole memes. The black hole
0: used to be a star, so it counts as leaving us some stars. Uh. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I've been Sophia Fritz.
1: <laughs> and I'm Serena Chen. And as always,
0: stay interesting.